Um, I've just been on a holiday some weeks ago. It um, seems to get further and further away every week. Great. And uh, one of the things I um, had planned to do, uh, or have our mechanic do before we went away, was to give our uh, Tucson a, a SUV a, um, an oil change, uh, because it was long overdue. And uh, anyway, our, our lovely mechanic Greg got sick, and, uh, and so it wasn't done. So it was sitting there all the time, and, and I got back, and it was just on the back of my mind. And so I, um, I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll do it myself. I know I don't have time, but I'll do it myself. And so I went down and got some oil. And this is what came out. I don't know if you see, but it is not a light golden oil, <laughs> as it should have been. So uh, it's a bit more light. Um, so well, this oil, and what I found was that as I actually got the last bits out of the car, there was little lumps of, of steel, yeah, <laughs> which is what happens when you, you're at the, uh, um, you're, you need an oil change, but uh, it was what happens in the side of a motor, because a motor relies upon oil to enable it to stay together and, and operate. And uh, it reminded me of the importance of an oil change. And I'm, I'm trusting this morning that's what God uh, has got us here for, an oil change. And... Uh, you might have some lumpy stuff. You may feel a bit black this morning, uh, and like, because that that is all all that black is is the bits of the motor. You know, it's it's the wear on the motor that comes into the oil, and that's why you need renewal. Um, a lot of people say every five thousand kilometres a a motor needs a a good renewal. So, okay, so that led me to Zechariah chapter four, and. Uh, Thanks to my lovely wife. Filled to shine. We are filled, filled to shine. We need constant renewal. We need to be renewed. In fact, you know, Paul often talks about that, about how as followers of Christ, uh, we need the spirit renewal. We need to be, keep being filled. So it's not just be filled with the spirit, but it's be being filled with the spirit. And if... Um, you are yet on that journey uh, to receiving Christ into your life. Um, you've got a lot of wonderful um, experiences waiting for you as you allow God to, to fill your life with his spirit. It's a wonderful, amazing thing. It uh, changes everything. And uh, so um, I trust that, um, that uh, this will help you on your journey as well. The passage uh, I'm looking at is, is in Zach Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, who were you going right there? Um, who was uh, um, a, a prophet of of Israel, who was at the the latter period of of the exile as they returned, as people returned from exile, and uh, whereas others were under uh, what was it um, with Ezra. Um, you saw the, uh, under Cyrus, the king, um, Zerubbabel was the guy who, who was, um, the name Zerubbabel means uh, the seed of or born of Babylon. So uh, Zerubbabel was obviously born in Babylon. He was born in exile. 
and uh, he's of the line of uh, David. He's the line of Christ. And so there's, uh, he's got a name that, that obviously ties more to, to Babylon, um, but um, he's a, a person who, uh, who has a weight upon him, and that is the weight of responsibility, and in his case, to, to complete uh, a temple. And uh, he had been there at the beginning, and, uh, but things were in trouble. In fact, it was on again, off again. This whole process of building, of working, was, was interjected constantly. There were all sorts of enemies and people who were, didn't want it to happen. And so it was a constant fight. And in the process, he had to constantly mobilise the people to actually rebuild and, and do it. And so it wasn't a particularly encouraging time. And it probably speaks to us of a lot of, of our life and of, of the church in the world today. Um, we, we are working to build and see the temple. And as Pastor Graham and Josh have talked about, we are the temple of God. We are the living stones that form the living temple uh, of God. And uh, so uh, there's a process in the way. And um, as part of that process, we find there is, we, there's an adversary. In fact, um, we find there's, there's, two, there's a couple of characters. One is Zerubbabel, who is the leader, and the other one is Joshua, uh, the high priest. And uh, uh, in, in one of the visions, the one before uh, chapter uh, 4, uh, it's, it talks about Joshua coming and having this uh, standoff with the devil. And so Satan actually appears and comes and accuses Joshua of sin, and which Joshua, uh, as, a, as a human being, was he had to say, well, everything you say, I'm, I'm cooked, you know. Uh, the adversary was a, an accurate adversary. So here he is, the high priest. Um, he's, he, obviously, his ministry, his uh, future, and the future of the nation is at stake here. But then we see in that, in that vision, God comes through, and he actually washes Joshua and he takes away, he cleanses him in this amazing picture of, of salvation and, and baptism. And, and so that uh, uh, the, the priest is, is made ready. But then the second one, it's dealing with, with leadership. Uh, but it's in, in terms of this picture, and this is the picture we have before us. Um, I'm just going to read this. And the, the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And this is very significant because of all the, the, uh, the visions, and um, Zechariah has quite a few. Um, this one is the only one that mentions that. And it's thought that when we look at, at Jesus as he was standing and coming before um, his time, how slumber came on him and his two supporters didn't they? And, and they couldn't stay awake. And he was having to fight with them and himself just to stay awake. Because often when God is wanting to do something amazing, it's sort of like a tidal wave. Suddenly you get this huge withdrawal, a spiritual withdrawal, and you feel like, what on earth is happening? Um, I, I had the privilege um, when I first came to Christ of being in New Zealand at a time when there was a measure of extraordinary revival. And one of the things about worship was, I, what I had to learn was that uh, 
not to be disturbed by the fact that as you'd often come to sing, you felt like running out the door. You know, it was like you didn't want to be there almost. There was a spiritual potency and then there would be a breakthrough and this breakthrough would sweep over everybody and everything. It would immerse us and you think, well, I'm living again, you know. But that was one of the marks of the move there that wherever God moves and we think, well, I want the Holy Spirit, but you also get the challenge. And firstly, God needed to deal with sin in the camp, in the heart, and to, to be those who actually engage with God's purpose for us. Uh, we need to be those who know the power of his washing, first off. And once we, once we receive that, just like the early Christians in the book of Acts, um, they, they, what can we do? Uh, we, they realize they've done wrong. Uh, and, and Peter says, you know, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the promised Spirit. So uh, uh, God wants us to be filled. And so this picture we have here, uh, and so, it, um, you know, I hope you're listening. Uh, I've got their, your attention out of slumber. Uh, like a man who was awakened out of sleep, and he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see, behold, a lampstand all of gold and a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right hand, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Now, it's a complex vision. It's a complex picture. And often visions and pictures are in this, in this realm, the prophetic realm. Um, this is a, an attempt, and there are many attempts to try and pictorialize what it is. Uh, you'll see just here there's, there's two tubes. These are the two olive trees. Here you have two golden pipes. They come into a bowl here, and from the bowl the oil runs up to the lamps. And so what you have is a, um, a firstly a flow of oil from these trees into a bowl. So it's a common area. No, no one of these lamps is particularly um, uh, favoured. It speaks of a common receptacle. And then uh, each of these, the purpose, of course, is to, to bring light. And uh, it's a picture of the light of the glory of God. Now, the, the beautiful thing about these images are they're just pregnant. They're just filled. They're just immersed with meaning. And so there are so many layers of meaning, which, which uh, I encourage you to explore if you desire to, uh, by reading commentaries and, and, and looking into it. And, of course, praying <laughs> and seeking God yourself. Uh, but this was shown to... Um, to Zerubbabel, this was always shown to uh, Zechariah, and uh, and Zechariah says, uh, "Well, you know, what is it about?" He he wants to know what is before him. Now, the interesting thing in this story is that the um, the angel who's there uh, and present doesn't actually answer his question straight away. He launches straight into um, to this, and he said to me. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power. You've, you're probably very familiar with this uh, verse. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? 
before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the capstone amidst shouts of grace, grace to it. So here we, we see the angel, uh, he's, got, uh, he's got Zechariah's attention, but then he brings a word for Zerubbabel. Uh, and as to the nature, to the leader, uh, as to what um, God had for him. Now, this is very much like when, God, uh, when, uh, when the Lord appeared to John in Revelation, and he had words, gave John words for each of the candles. And so the churches there were in imagery. Obviously, there was more than seven churches, uh, but uh, it was an imagery of the church in that region and how the Lord was actually bringing words for each of those candles, for each of those churches. And in this case, we see the same sort of thing. God is bringing a word to, this, to the nation of Israel and, and through its, to its leadership. And, uh, and the, the word is, the word is, it's an encouraging word because Zerubbabel obviously had things against him and he needed he needed a direction. He needed a sense of impetus. He needed to be filled with, with the Spirit of God. So Zechariah says, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And of course, in, the, in this picture here, the Spirit, uh, speaking of the oil, the oil that comes from the trees, the oil that flows into the bowl, the oil that comes out uh, into each of the lamps, and then is ignited by, by the glory of God. And uh, so God was speaking to Zerubbabel, but he was speaking through Zerubbabel to the people of God. And he was giving them a picture of a community of light, a community alive with the light of the glory of God. And, uh, and, and in that Picture, he's saying those obstacles, those things that you see before you that are in the way, that appear to obscure the vision I've given you, they're going to be taken away. You're going to have a straight path. There's going to be nothing in the way whatsoever. Uh, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And the promise here is the completion of the task is that what was begun will be completed. God will do it. What he's, what he's purposed, what he's purposed and what he's given uh, uh, our leaders and us as a body, he will bring it into fruition. And I really believe this is a word, I was, I was really jumped at, I really believe this is a word somehow for us and maybe God uh, will, will uh, in, in, encourage you uh, this morning. And we, later in the service, I'm going to give up an opportunity. We're inviting the elders a little bit later. And they're going to um, be anointed to anoint every one of us here. Because um, we're all called to shine. Every one of us. We have communion and share in that as a body. This morning we're going to share in the anointing oil that comes from the Lord himself. Amen. So, uh, and we'll give an opportunity to come. If you have needs, then uh, we ask you to just to, uh, just to stay b back a bit further until everyone who would like to be anointed has been anointed. And then, uh, and then we will attend and pray through whatever miracle you might need 
whatever obstacle you might have, uh, we are very, or whatever aspiration you might have in, in serving the Lord. <clears throat> the capstone in this case was the last piece, and it was almost ornamental, and it was, it was a, a formality. So when the capstone was put there, the plum would be dropped just to check that the wall was straight. Of course, it was straight. Uh, but it was a formality that just tied off everything that was going to happen. So God is encouraging us. He's encouraging the church in Australia. He's encouraging us that what he's begun, what he's appointed us to do, he will do. He will do. He is able. And, and then Zechariah says to the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right hand and the left of the lampstand? And a second time, I answered and, and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees? Now, by now, I mean, obviously, Zechariah has asked this question. Um, he's been given a directive for Zerubbabel, uh, but he still hasn't got an answer to what it's all about. And so uh, we'll see how far it gets. So um, what are these two branches on the olive tree? So not only are the, the trees, but, but branches, obviously, that are hanging down which are beside the two golden pipes. So in the picture, this is actually, uh, there's a, these golden pipes here that, that uh, come down uh, and there's the two branches that in, in the scripture they talk about being beside the pipes coming down. What are these? So he's, he's intrigued by, um, by what it's all about. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of the hands. The hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So here we have, we have three people in the mix. We have Zerubbabel, we have Joshua, and we have the prophet. Uh, and uh, so the very fact that this will come to pass, which it did, is a sign that everything is working together properly. And everyone is working together properly. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. That's, that's a great promise, isn't it? For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Still, he's not getting an answer. He's continuing the declaration. He's encouraging the prophet that actually it's all going to work out for good. Things will be completed. And people who have been waiting and longing for more, they've been longing for the revealing of Christ or a change of situation or an answer, a major answer to prayer that they will see, uh, they will see it come to pass. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right hand of the lampstand? And a second time, and it goes on, uh, and the two pipes, sorry, I've, I've, I've doubled that. He said to me, do you not know what these are? And he says, I mean, it's pretty, it's almost like um, kids talk, isn't it? It's, uh, uh, no, my Lord. And he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So it doesn't tell you who they are, okay? It doesn't identify, actually, who they are. So we speculate, and you find the cults speculate who the two are. 
um, scholars speculate it could be Zerubbabel and, uh, and Joshua as the two um, key leaders in that uh, uh, task of rebuilding and leading the nation. Um, others have looked at the prophets. So it's very interesting, isn't it? We're in limbo. What does it mean? And I, that's one of the things I love about um, apocalyptic or this is, these imageries, these visions, is because we want the answer, don't we? We want to know the answer. We want to put it into a framework that we can get and then we can move on. <laughs> but God doesn't give us that opportunity. He leaves it before us. Because obviously in this case, the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth, there is such an awe, there's such a, um, an importance in them that, that the angel couldn't actually. He, he was not at liberty to actually explicate who they were. And, uh, and so... We're left in limbo. Okay, but what do we have? What we do have is a picture of God, of his people, of the role of leaders in that process of, of, of moving forward and that it's his will that we will see things that we have as a vision that God's given us. We will see these things fulfilled but the way we will see these things is not by our own capacity or might. It's not by might nor by power. And I think, you know, we've, um, a lot of us, um, a number of people here are, are quite accomplished people. And often we tend to rely in being a competent kind of person in our field, in our life, in our knowledge. We tend to rely and we tend to look to our own resources, and they may be quite significant. They might be all you think you need. And with Zerubbabel, I think that was the case. Of all the other figures there, um, Ezra and uh, Nehemiah, they were people that were known for their prayerfulness, but not Zeb, uh, not Zerubbabel. You know, he obviously was such a capable leader, he was relying you know, in, in, his, um, in his own strength. And so what this is, is this picture of the, um, of the anointing oil, is it's bringing us back as a body. It's saying that God has called us to be this lighted community. He's called us to be a city on a hill. He's called us to be the salt on the earth. And uh, he's called us to, to shine in a dark and a confused generation. He's called us to be a people full of light, glowing with light. And the way we're going to do that is firstly by working together within the order of, of God's body and to respond to one another, to work with one another, to cooperate, to flow. Because we see in the picture, it's an intricate organism, just like the churches. And there are, there are, there's a flow there. There's a flow from these two trees into the bowl. There is a, there's a sense of process there. And if we're not linked into that process, we won't find the measure of oil that we need to shine is in our lives. And as the world gets darker, you know, the thing about darkness, it almost tries to snuff, especially spiritual darkness, it tries to snuff out light. And that light might be in you. And and as that comes in, God wants us to be connected. These golden tubes, 
uh, were, were very important. But also you've got the, the tubes that are coming from the, uh, the bowl to each of those uh, candles. And so it's a picture to us how we need to find, with God's help, we need to find our place of function and connection and flow. I mean, one of the things we do as a church, you know, we have... You know, our midweek meetings, we've got groups, we've got things that we do. Um, we've got things that we begin to do, and, and they all help this whole this process. We've got leaders' meetings. There's, there's a whole gamut of things that we do, and, and that might look different next year. There might be more attributes. It might be more complex, but it, it, at least as we're, as we're um, yoked to the purposes of God together, then the promise here is... Uh, that there will be a flow of divine life. Now, one of the interpretations, and I, I sort of like this, you can't go far wrong with this one, is that one is Jesus and one is the Holy Spirit. And because it says they actually stand before the God of the, of the, of the whole earth, the heaven and earth. So it could be a picture of a trinity of the Father, Son and the Spirit and uh, flowing in here through, through branches and so you've got the, the trees, you've got the branches, and uh, it's a picture of divine flow of oil. And oil speaks of life, divine oil, oil that brings hope and life. I want to share a story um, as, I, as I bring this uh, part of the service uh, to a close, and that was, we, and it's been so exciting in this body to see with prayer and, and to see as people have connected that we've seen some miracles. And, and one of those is, uh, is, is Peter Lane, you know. Uh, another one is Tony, who shared uh, about recently about his amazing story of recovery. And there have been others, you know. And I really believe that, you know, it says healing is the children's bread. In other words, when we are a part of the family of God, the family of faith, healing becomes norm because the oil is flowing. There's people praying. There's, um, there's people cooperating together. They're working with God to see an answer. Um, one, of, one of our ladies in our, our living room congregation had been up to, uh, to stay with an elderly lady. She's um, in her 90s. A great saint, and she just loves going to, to visit her because she's such a uh, remarkable lady. But anyway, while she was up there, she, uh, a friend of hers uh, told the story um, of uh, uh, she has three boys, 14, uh, 12, and 10. And uh, she, had, she had heard of this lady who was dying in hospital. In fact, probably had hours to live. What had happened is her whole digestive system had blocked up and, and, and she, she wasn't passing uh, solids and uh, the doctors couldn't operate at that stage because if they opened her up, they were expecting their, it just to fall apart and so it just wasn't worth doing. So it was terminal as far as they were concerned. The father had... Um, had organised the funeral already and paid up front for the funeral. That was so, so definite in his mind. Uh, but this, um, one of um, my friends had, uh, had been talking to this girl, uh, this young lady, and uh, 
she had uh, shared her faith with him and found out she was in hospital and went to visit her. And uh, she saw her state. And so what she did was she went home and she began to pray. And then she took with her her three sons. And before she went into the hospital, because the father in this case was very hostile to anything to do with God, and even the, the lady in need of prayer uh, had not a faith. She, she hadn't come to faith yet in Christ. And so um, the, this, um, this friend, they anointed the boys, their hands, with oil because they knew they had to do it secretly. They had to do it subversively. Uh, otherwise, there could be a big reaction when they went into the hospital room. And begrudgingly, the father allowed them to peel back the bread, the, uh, bedclothes, and the boys actually massaged and laid their hands on the, on the lady. Now, nothing happened, uh, but, um, but within eight hours, everything broke loose. <laughs> okay. What happened was she was, she was able to, to her, her system began to work again, uh, prolifically initially, and then <laughs> And then uh, when they looked at her, her, her system, her uh, intestines and, and, and bowel system, they found there was no sign of any problem at all. She had a complete clean bill of health. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's an example to me of, of the oil. You know, a lady who hears about a need of a someone who's about to die and actually passes on and doesn't actually intrude herself because children are so much more receivable often than, uh, than, than adults. Anyway, in her case, her three sons put their anointed hands on the lady and the healing began from then. It was, it was a remarkable turnaround, uh, another miracle. And this, I believe, is the sort of story, you know, we, we often hear, I mean, there's so many stories so many stories. This is the norm for God's people, that remarkable things happen on a weekly basis or even a daily basis because we are in the flow, because we are an anointed body. We're anointed people. You know, just... Um, that's, that's the end part of, that, that, of the passage. Uh, they are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth, um, the blue isn't showing there, but this, this is a, uh, Exodus 19.6, and you shall be my, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Now you might think this is, this is for Israel. Um, Deuteronomy, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples that are on the face of the earth. Isaiah uh, 61.6, but you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God and you will eat the wealth of the nations and their riches you'll boast. Now we're moving in the New Testament. Same sort of language. As living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. We're talking about those who actually discharge, who speak, who prophetically speak, 
the, the good news of Christ and so that others may hear and believe and know that, that uh, Christ is alive and he's a redeemer for every person. Revelation 1.6, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And in uh, 5.10, and you've caused them to become kingdom of priests for our God. So these, this is the picture that we see. We are like the ancient uh, um, uh, oil lamp. It was poured in through here into the middle and then these were, the, these were set on fire and uh, became a, a, um, a place of light for the room. And God has put us in a room, and that's in Brisbane. And he's put us in a world that needs light. And uh, God is wanting us to, uh, to be filled with his light. I'm going to invite the band to, to come now. And I'm going to invite the, uh, Josh and the elders to come as well. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to give us an opportunity to, to be anointed uh, for breakthrough, for God's strength in your life, for healing. It might be for renewal. It might be to mark uh, forgiveness and cleansing and repentance for you. You might have stepped into the things of God. It might be an anointing for family members who are yet to come to Christ or friends that you've longed to see come to Jesus. But we're going to come in solidarity this morning. And, and as the elders anoint, I'm going to invite the elders to come and stand and face you as a congregation. And, uh, and, and Leanne, if you could begin to distribute the, the cups there. There's seven, so some will have to share. I'm going to invite you to come now and we want everyone to be anointed this morning who would like to. And for, if you have a special need this morning, after you're anointed, if you could just stand somewhere around here, around the, in front of the, the chairs around here and, and just wait on the Lord because after everyone's been anointed, we're going to pray for you in a particular way and it'll let, allow God to bring His Word into your life. The Word of God is good. It's bringing hope. It's saying things in His purposes will be fulfilled. He will do it. He's not going to hold back. He will do those things in His purpose for you, but also in your family, in your workplace, and whatever God has placed on your heart. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Josh if he could, first, if he could just anoint our elders. And then, let's put this up here. And let's just expect the Holy Spirit to move in our lives this morning. Let's expect the Holy Spirit to touch us, to renew us, to heal us, and to work miracles. As we receive anointing oil, it's a sign. It's a sign of God's flowing through us, healing us, working in us. Amen. Why don't you come? Why don't you come now? Please come and as we begin to worship. Here, come. Please come. Everyone, come. There's nothing worth more
that would ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're